Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And this week we're going to look into the quarterback field. This is the quarterback field episode, let's call it, of Breaking Big Blue. What we're going to do is we're going to look at kind of what are the Giants quarterback options. I could put a poll on Twitter the other day, right? And let me just say this. I understand that you might have liked something that wasn't an option, but the Twitter poll only allows for four options, okay? So don't yell at me. Four options. They were roll with Eli, draft Dwayne Haskins, draft Kyler Murray, or sign Nick Foles or Teddy Bridgewater. So basically, sign the top, a top free agent, draft the 1 and 1A draft prospect, or C or D, whatever it is, your fourth option, roll with Eli Manning for another year. Now, I understand roll with Eli Manning for another year kind of works into, could still work into the, you draft uh, the top guys, you draft, you draft Dwayne Haskins, you draft Kyler Murray, you still keep Eli for another year, you roll with him for another year. Now, I know where everyone else is at at this point from this poll, right? Draft Dwayne Haskins is where the fan base seems to be standing. 54% said draft Dwayne Haskins, okay? That's a pretty solid number. I mean, the second most popular option was roll with Eli at 18%, right? So you're talking about a 36% difference there, which is substantial. And then the Eli option was close with draft Kyler Murray, which is 14%, or sign Foles or Teddy Bridgewater, which is 14%, which I thought was pretty low to go the free agent route because – you know, it's going to take – I thought there would be a little bit more of a faction out there that wanted the Giants to compete now a little bit quicker. And the best way to do that is 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 to sign a free agent. I mean, Nick, if they want to be the best that they could be just this year, if it was just a this year thing alone, right, in my opinion, Nick Foles would be the way to go. Right, this is a guy who's proven you could win a Super Bowl with him. Now, can he do it over a seven, a sixteen game stretch in the regular season over seventeen weeks? That's debatable. There's a lot of people who aren't so sure about that. Nick Foles has his shortcomings. That's why he was, uh, you know, he's lost his starting job before he ended up coming back to Philadelphia as a backup this time around. You know, he went to L.A. and he was the Rams, and it didn't work out so well for Nick Foles. So. Can he do it over an extended period of time? There are some questions, but we saw him win a Super Bowl. He's the only one out of the, these guys. Obviously, Eli, we saw win a Super Bowl, but that was a, essentially a different incarnation of Eli Manning. Now, let's go over the draft, guys. Okay, Dwayne Haskins is, seems to be the top choice right now. I will say this about Dwayne Haskins. He's probably has the highest percent or highest chance of, of being drafted by the Giants this year, okay? He fits the mold a little bit more than the Kyler Murray. Uh, if you're going to move up, it would probably be for him. Look, it's going to take somebody with massive cojones to draft Kyler Murray in the top five, all right? I think ultimately someone will end up drafting him in the top ten. I'm not so sure about top five just yet, but just think about it. Okay, and I love Kyler Murray. I really like him. I think he's going to be good. But there's the height thing. There's the size thing. 
Um, he's, he's a new breed. Like this is uncharted territory for the NFL. Never really before have they had a guy this size, this athletic that is going to, someone's going to make that massive an investment in. And then there's also hanging in the background on him. What happens if things go poorly his first two or three years? Does he, he could just go to baseball then. He could just, he could just say, you know what? This isn't working out. My best bet is to go play baseball now. He says he's committed to football now, but there's always that, that's always going to be hanging in the background if things go poorly. And sometimes in the NFL, things do go poorly. There's a lot of different things that can happen around him. You know? And I do think the size is a little thing. And I know people are bringing up numbers. Look, he hasn't gotten passes knocked down. Russell Wilson doesn't get passes knocked down. I don't think it's the passes getting knocked down point. I think it's two things. One is, is he going to be able to sustain the punishment that comes with playing the NFL? His agent says he's over 200 pounds, uh, but, you know, still, running quarterbacks, are, he's he's not necessarily a running quarterback, but he's going to run a little bit, so he's going to take some hits. What's the durability factor with taking those hits in the NFL? Okay, how's he going to hold up from that? And B is it's not the batted passes, like I said before. It's more to me of those passing lanes. At times, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to see it. And Russell Wilson has that problem, too. It doesn't mean Russell Wilson can't be good or great. I love Russell Wilson. I take him as my quarterback any day of the week. He's in the top three quarterbacks from starting a team right now. I want Russell Wilson. Love him. But he has to work around that a little bit. He does those deeper drops. He moves around a little bit. But if you're just standing under center and you're going back and you're trying to look for and look in the in the NFL, these passing windows are tight. Okay, a lot tighter than in college. In college, especially they have a great coach at Oklahoma in Lincoln Riley. They're able to scheme open receivers consistently, way more consistently than the NFL. In the NFL, you need your quarterback to throw your receivers open a lot. A lot more, at least, than in college. So it's a little bit harder to see some of those passing lanes around these gigantic guys. Because think about it for a second. Let's say Kyler Murray checks in at 5'9", right? That's about what he's going to be. At least that's what it seems. Uh, what is Nate Soldier's like 6'8"? He's almost a foot taller. A foot! Think about that for a second. Imagine standing behind somebody who's a foot taller than you, right? And I'm, what, 5'10", 5'11", and I used to have this life-size Patrick Ewing poster on my wall, right? And I used to measure myself as I was growing up. You put the little check marks. And and so basically, Patrick Ewing, my, I think my, my ceiling was like seven-foot ceiling. So he was, the poster was life-size. It covered the whole wall. And so I used to stand next to it, and I could imagine that that's essentially a foot taller than me. I mean, it is substantial amount. So there is gonna, there is some part of it that he's going to have to overcome. Can I? Do I think that Kyler Murray can do it? Yes. Would I have any problem if the Giants went that direction? No. I mean, it takes some cojones to do that. I I think he's he's a Tremendous athlete, a great football player, and I think it's going to translate to the NFL. I've spoken to some people, some scouts, some executives, and some of them do. They think he's the best quarterback in this draft, right? But 
is a team going to it takes a lot for a team to risk that right there you're putting a lot of chips in the middle of that table Dave Gettleman would be taking everything he had his football life his what 40 years in football and putting it in the middle and saying I'm essentially investing this in a 59 quarterback which who is an exceptional athlete but it's basically like it's a unicorn with something we've never seen before in the NFL at the quarterback position to this degree to risk that much on a guy who's going to have to be an outlier can he do it sure but that's a huge risk with a top 6 pick then the Giants pick 6 now maybe even higher so my expectation I people I spoke to around the league is that Murray and Haskins both go in the top 10. I still think Haskins will probably be in the top 5. Murray probably in the bottom part of the top 10. That's my opinion. Maybe which it, these things can change as we go along. I mean, and we'll get I'll talk to more people. Combine's coming up in a couple weeks and we'll see how it goes there. So, Haskins is the guy I still think is the more likely solution for them. And here's where the Giants stand right now, okay? All indications are are going in the direction of Eli Manning likely being back, okay? It doesn't look like they're going to go the free agent route. I mean, every, like, if you bring Eli back, what are you going to go the free agent route for, right? And they want their quarterback of the future. They don't want to just sign a guy and see where it goes and go for two or three years. The Giants, the way they're looking at it is when they get their quarterback, they want it to be the guy. They want it to be the next Eli. They want it to be the guy that they draft or they they get and then, which would be through the draft, and that they will have on their roster for the next 10 or 12 years, at least. What's Eli? Eli's in year, this will be 16, I believe, if he comes back. And it's looking, everything is trending in that direction. That Eli comes back. They go, they try and get one of the quarterbacks in the draft, depending on who they like best. From what I've heard, Haskins, Murray, head and shoulders above everybody else. Then you got like the Daniel Jones and the uh, Drew Locke sort of at that next level where, I mean, maybe there are some people out there that like them. Most of the people I talk to seem to think, eh, on both of those guys. So... If the Giants did go in that direction, I think it would be, you know, sort of moving back or, or moving back up into the, into the bottom of the first round or something like that. But the consensus right now from the people that I spoke to, coaches, uh, executives, scouts, seems to be leaning towards Haskins Murray. Now the Giants, we know they're a little bit on the old school side of an organization. It's just hard for me to see. It's just hard for me to see this organization going out on a limb and saying, we're investing our future in the 5'9 guy. Is it possible? Sure. They're going to go there. I mean, look, he's only declared for the draft a couple days ago for 100%. Now, they've obviously done work on him, but they're going to dig deeper into Kyler Murray now. And see, maybe they come away absolutely blown away. Like Ben McAdoo was for Patrick Mahomes, where he said, wow, you know, if we want upside, if you see, okay, you want, this has the potential to be off the chart greatness, yes. 
That, that That's basically what McAdoo saw with Mahomes. If the Giants come away and they, they just see Kyler Murray, he may be small, but he's so good at everything else. He's too good at everything else that this has to be this has to be our guy. It's possible. I just think right now the odds on that are slim. Now I've made it known before. I think the way, better way to go would be to move on from Eli and sign like a, a Teddy Bridgewater, and then draft and draft a guy also. Because what I like about Bridgewater is he brings two things. Okay. He's not overly expensive. He's a veteran. He's been in some rooms before. Obviously not to the degree of Eli Manning. He doesn't bring that. He's, but he would essentially be cheaper. Okay. And then I also like the fact that maybe he does develop into something. There is upside with him, right? There's an uncertainty with him. Like you, you can, he can go and would anyone be just totally blown away? If Teddy Bridgewater went out there on a one-year deal with the Giants, playing with Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram, and had a great year. And then you drafted a guy also, and you have two quarterbacks, and you work around the two quarterbacks. more. If you have quarterbacks, you're in good shape. Get as many as possible. Load them up. Three, four. If you want five, If a team had five good quarterbacks, good for them. That is valuable. They have value. Right? Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes were on the same roster. That wasn't a problem for the Chiefs. Right? They got a good return for Alex Smith. So if Teddy Bridgewater goes out there and blows it up and you have Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray sitting there, right? Big deal. So what? Good thing. That's a good thing. Let's see. Let's see exactly. What what did they get for uh, Alex Smith? Uh, they got Kendall Fuller, which was basically a starting quarterback and a third round pick. So look, you know, it's an asset. If you have two quarterbacks, you're better. You're in good shape. Good for you. You could sit the guy if Teddy Bridgewater's blowing it up and you, you could sit him. You could sit the Haskins or the, uh, Murray or the Drew Locke or whoever you want the Daniel Jones, whatever it is, you could sit him. For one year, and if you see him in practice and you see this guy's the real deal, then you you know you could tag and trade uh, Teddy Bridgewater, or at least get a compensation, a good, really good compensation pick, whatever it is. So there's options. So to me, that has more upside than say bringing rolling him back again with Eli Manning because to me, you roll it back with Eli, it, it this the, you know we're we're back in this spot again. It, this is going to hover over the organization until he's not the starter. When do they pull the plug on Eli? When is the time? When do they move on? Right? It's not going to stop. And really, what's the ceiling? How good can they be? They were better in the second half of the year. Do we really think he could he could do that consistently over the course of a season? What happens in games when he's pressured? Any game essentially where he's pressured, it breaks apart. As some coaches have told me in the past, is the second the Giants are off schedule. They're basically done offensively, right? With Eli at quarterback at this point of his career, like yes, Pat Shermer, he did a better job in the second half, scheming Eli on the run, bootlegs, moves, playing off the running game. But you're really working around some serious deficiencies there. Not every quarterback has deficiencies, but that's a tough one to work around consistently. 
especially in today's NFL, without a great offensive line. And no matter what the Giants do, they're not going to have a great offensive line. Their offensive line is better, got better this year, got better as the year went along. They'll probably add some pieces again this offseason, but it's still not going to be a top-end offensive line. They still don't have a pro bowler. Maybe Will Hernandez develops into one. You know, so they really they have a bunch of guys. Okay, a couple guys that could be pretty good. Solder, Will Hernandez, uh, John Jalapio at center has some potential, but there's no like all pro left tackle. We we're set at this spot. We don't have to worry about our left tackle. And when you have an older quarterback who can't move at all, it makes it a lot harder to succeed. So to me, I'd go the other route. But everything I'm hearing, all indications are, it's trending towards Eli returning with potentially a draft quarterback. And then Kyle Oletto also on the roster, still there. You see what you could get out of him. The goal really, and I've said this from day one, when you have a fourth-round pick quarterback, is really backup anyway. That's the realistic, that should be the realistic expectation. So when you draft Kyle Oletta in the fourth round, you should be looking, you shouldn't be saying this is an eventual successor. If he ends up being the successor, that's great. That's a bonus. That's amazing. You hit the jackpot, and he's the real deal. But if you have a good backup quarterback, that's pretty much what you're paying for in the middle rounds. I mean, think about the, the odds of a quarterback being good in the middle rounds. The number of quarterbacks drafted. You can name the guys that they're, 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 that have become great. The Tom Brady's, the Joe Montana's, the Russell Wilson's. But there's way more guys that are unsuccessful in those middle rounds. I think... I've done the, I did the math a couple years ago. You know, you're, you're looking at like a 15% chance in the middle rounds of those quarterbacks even evolving into a bottom end starter. Forget like a Pro Bowl starter. A bottom end starter. It's like 15, 18%, something like that. So you're really, really stretching. Whereas in the first round, you're looking at like a 50% chance. So you use significant difference there, right? 50 compared to 15 to 20. More than double the chance of being successful. So, that appears the, the route the Giants are going right now. They're still going through their evaluations, I believe. So, I mean, they I know they are because we haven't had the combine yet. That's coming up in a couple weeks. End of this month into March. Combine, that's when they'll get to sit down. They'll get to talk to these guys. Learn about them personally. Right? Because remember, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, they were not at the Senior Bowl. They're not seniors. So the combine is really their opportunity to see exactly what this group is. But the likelihood is quarterback in the draft, Eli Manning as the veteran starter, help out the young guy, see where it goes from there. Now I'm not saying that's definite and that's going to happen because there's, you know, things could change. What if Nick Foles wants to come there and play for two? You know, there's a lot of possibilities out there. There's a lot of scenarios like who knows how something unfolds. Maybe something just presents itself to the Giants. Says, oh, ta-da, here it is, Nick Foles for $5 million instead of Eli Manning for 17 Right? Who who wouldn't do that? You have to do that if it, if it, came, if it shook out that way. So we'll see how it goes, but I would expect... I'm expecting at this point. And I would be surprised if it turned out otherwise. But look, I've been surprised before. I've been wrong before. There's nothing definitive. Nobody's telling anybody 100%. This is the way it's going to be. 
But likelihood is Eli Manning is going to be back for his 16th season with the New York Giants. And with that, on to the next one. Ah, yes. It's time now for my favorite part of this show. It's the time where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. All right. Let's start with at Coach Keith G. He asks, what will it take for the lazy, reckless journalist trying to get clicks to stop saying the Giants will trade OBJ? DG, which is Dave Gettleman, said we didn't sign him to trade him. Not sure how much more clear he can be. That has more than run its course. Please, on to the next one. I like that. I like that little line there at the end. Good one. Good one, Keith. A good, good, good little play on words. But here's the deal. Ready? Okay. The situation the Giants are in, and Keith here is talking about this uh, comment by Jay Glazer. Okay, someone asked him to make a bold prediction for this offseason, and he said uh, Odell Beckham will be traded. Is that good enough for you? So here's my take on this, Keith, right? It's just a bold prediction. People do them all the time during the season. You just you can't you don't take it as a report that they're trying to trade them, but take it as informed possibility that it's not completely out of the question, which I think should be the case in this. Because, look, Jay Glazer talks to a lot of people. He knows the situation the Giants are in. The Giants know the situation they're in. They're not super close to winning. There are times they weren't happy with Odell Beckham, right? I mean, we know that. Look at the the, the interview he did with ESPN and Josine Anderson. They made it very clear they weren't happy at that time. And they know what comes, the good and bad that comes with them. And they like, the, you know, the good outweighs the bad, obviously. And by bad, I mean, I, I really, I shouldn't say, bad probably is not the right word in this in this situation, right? Because it's more like shenanigans or just nuisances that come along with it. Like he, the cryptic tweets after the Jay Glazer comment, stuff like that, that just, it just sort of just plays on everything and it just sort of just keeps making it worse right the the situation it's not going it doesn't go away then it just becomes bigger and it bubbles to the surface even more but look i think if dave gettleman had his druthers and he got a ridiculous offer he would think about it and probably pull the trigger on it whether management would do it that's another story so i think that's where this comes from is like it's possible a team out there calls the giants offers them something really good. Dave Gettleman, in my opinion, would think about it, and maybe that's where Jay Glazer along the line said, hey, you know what, for a bold prediction, it's probably not going to happen, but there's a slim chance it does, so I'll, you know, that that's a good bold prediction for me. And I, th- I think that's kind of where we are with that. So, All right, at Copic underscore Joe asks, would it be better to move Evan Ingram to wide receiver, bring in a complete tight end, or even trade him? Well, that's a decision the Giants would have to make, right? They have to decide. Are we going to use Evan Ingram to what his skill set is, and that's as a pass-catching wide receiver or not? If they're not going to use him as a full-time pass-catching wide receiver, then they should just move him. They have to decide where they're going to be as a franchise. Are they going to be a run-first team? If they are, then maybe it's best not to have him on the roster. Okay? Run uh, Red Ellison and someone else out there. You know, Scott Simonson. Okay? But 
what this Giants team really needs to be is a team that's uh, they run the ball to set up, the, you know, to, to, they pass the ball to set up their run, try to hit a big play here, there in the run game. But they have too many weapons not to be a pass first team. That's the way they're designed right now. That's the way their roster is constructed. And Evan Ingram, when he got healthier towards the end of the season, he had a rough start. He got banged up. He he dropped a pass here or there. I think his confidence waned a little bit at times. End of the year, got healthy, got more opportunity, played well. He can be a weapon. He can be a force. They just have to use him to what his strengths are. At G-Men asks, For your birthday celebration, why were you the only one with a tucked-in shirt? Which is a fair question, a very good question. Now, I had a 40th birthday party. A surprise 40th my wife threw for me the other day. We're taping this on Thursday. It was last Friday. Okay? Actually, the party was Saturday. So anyway, I show up to the party. I get surprised. Tell you that a little bit. But I'm wearing my shirt tucked in. I'm wearing pants, like dress pants, shirt, shoes, everything. Everyone else is dressed more casually. Most people in jeans, uh, maybe a button down or sweater. I'm the only one really you know, stiffed up, shirt tucked in and all. Fair point, but there's a reason, okay? Part of the surprise was that my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, was going to take me out on like a date. We were going to go on a date just for dinner, the two of us. So we dressed up to go on the date, which was to Hibachi, by the way. So we go to Hibachi. I'm wearing pants, a nice shirt, and it's tucked in, and we're all dressed up. She wears this fancy, you know, uh, outfit that she has with this uh, furry vest-type top or something like that so she she was we were trying to get all dressed up she was enjoying it i then this is devastating by the way i thought because this was planned for a while that she was going to take me on this date for my birthday i thought that she really wanted to take me on a date later on i find out that it was all a farce my wife had told her she has to take me out to dinner so i was crushed absolutely crushing you know, I thought, oh, my daughter wants me to take you to take me out on a dinner date for my birthday. When really, the whole time it was a farce and complete shenanigans, and she didn't. Later on, she told me, I said, "Do you really want to take me on a date?" She said, "No." I, I she said, "Yeah, I did, but not to dinner. I, I wanted you to take me to get air, which is like one of those trampoline places." I was like, "That's not taking me out for my birthday." So totally crushing. But that's why my shirt was tucked in because we were on a date. So I came straight from there. I actually came into the party and stunk like hibachi. You know, you go to at the hibachi, that smell is just on your clothes and on your skin. So I walked in. Everyone's like, well, you really do smell like hibachi. So we're going to go to Instagram, Steve underscore Odyssey. He asks, why do you think they haven't slash won't go to Eli for pay cut? Do you think that is essentially admitting he's significantly declined, which is something they aren't willing to do? Uh, no, Steve, I think they're very, there's two things here in play. One is I think they're very concerned about making sure that they handle this properly, that they they don't hurt any feelings and they handle this with extreme care and with kid gloves after what happened a couple of years ago. So everything with Eli, it's like they're walking on glass, right? They don't want to mess it up again. Look at how it embarrassed them last time. They look like an incompetent organization. They got panned publicly nationwide. They looked like a joke at the time. So they're walking very carefully around everything with Eli, which is why I think they need to move on from him already. 
because it's a terrible way to operate when you have to. Everybody in the organization, including his teammates in the locker room with everything they say, they have to handle it very gingerly. Like they're going to hurt the guy's feelings and it, you know he, it, it's going to crush him for life. This guy's made over $250 million. He's fine. He doesn't care. He doesn't pay attention to pretty much anything for the most part. He'll be fine. But that's one reason. Number two is I'm also not of the belief that they're not going to adjust his salary at some point. I think, and this is what the Giants have done in the past with guys, they try and pawn it off as, okay, we restructured his contract, right, for salary cap purposes, basically. And they decrease their numbers, and they they always give guys an opportunity to make up the full original salary. So they'll say they'll put in all these incentives. They say, look, if he starts, some these are attainable. If he starts and plays well, he can earn the full twenty three. Uh, no, it's not really twenty. It's only twenty three against the cap. His his real cash value of his deal this year is sixteen point sixteen million. So they say, look. If he plays and plays well, he could earn that $16 million. Now, if they don't adjust the salary, it's not the end of the world, though, because he's really getting paid $16 million. It's 15th most this year among quarterbacks. It's not the, it's not a gigantic, gigantic number. Now, is it commensurate with what he'll bring to you on the field? No, because he's probably not the 15th best quarterback right now. And actually, some of those 15 in front of him aren't even going to be on the roster in two weeks. So it will probably be, end up being close to like 13th because like guys like, um, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is ahead of him for this year. Guys like that. So there'll be a couple guys that, that won't be on their team's rosters. Case Keenum was ahead of him. So those two guys, those are two guys that won't be on their team's roster. So he'll end up being like 13th, but it's not outrageous number. That's my point. Final question. The real Ryan Fish. All right. With it being Valentine's Day, that's because we're taping this on Thursday, uh, February 14th. So it's Valentine's Day. In the QB free agent market, who wins Jordan's heart? Teddy, Nick Foles, Tyrod, or maybe even a little Fitzmagic? Well, I think I kind of explained this before, but there's two ways for me to look at it. Am I looking at it from a Giants perspective and saying what is the best situation for them? It's Teddy B. Is it which quarterback, if I'm trying to win right now, wins my heart? It's Nick Foles. Right, two different things. But you're not going to be able to sign Nick. Like, the Giants need a one-year guy, a guy who's coming here on a one-year contract if they sign him as a free agent. Okay, that's the way for them to go right now. One-year contract, draft a young guy, or even you know hope to get one next year, worst-case scenario. You don't want to commit to anybody for a significant amount of time. Nick Foles doesn't want to leave for a one-year contract with the Giants. Right? That doesn't make much sense to him. So if I'm saying, all right, I'm trying to win now. If that was the way I wanted to go with the Giants, three years, sign Nick Foles would be the way. I, that would be my my heart would be all in on Nick Foles. Great guy. Uh, attitude is terrific. You hear nothing but good things about him in the locker room. Heard he's a sick basketball player. Got recruited to Georgetown. I don't know why I added that in there, but I just, uh, for some reason, that, that I, I think that's a cool, that's a really cool thing that he's such a good basketball player. And uh, so it would be, Heart Nick Foles. I heart Nick Foles if I wanted to win now with this Giants team. But they're not in position to win. So it's I heart Teddy B. One year stopgap. Maybe he 
evolves into something really good or great. Maybe. That would be a bonus. Then you have some control over him. You maybe have two quarterbacks. Who knows? A lot of things can happen. So, I heart Teddy B slash Nick Foles. And with that, on to the next one. Let's do a little Jordan on the beat now. This is the portion of the Breaking Big Blue podcast where I show you what it's like to be a reporter covering the Giants or the NFL or just a reporter in general. you got to think of some other questions. My goodness. This is a little different than than some of the past ones because I'm going to walk you through the surprise for my birthday, right? So there's a surprise birthday party. And when you're a reporter... You pay attention to every all your surroundings. You're very cognizant of your surroundings and everything going on around you. And you're good at pulling information from people. So to keep a secret from me, I have to say, is not the easiest thing. Now, my seven-year-old daughter, she might be the best secret keeper ever. We went out to dinner. She knew the whole party was at the house. She never gave it up. And I asked her a couple of times. Don't get me wrong. Flat out. I said, hey, what's mommy doing for me for my birthday? What's What are we doing? Now, I knew there was going to be some sort of drinks party type thing. Now, I didn't know who was coming. I just thought it would be a couple friends. But still, over the past week, I'm poking around using my reporter skills, right? And it was kind of interesting to see everybody lie to your face. And you're then, you're, you're then just dissecting everything in the back of your mind. And you're saying, huh. Interesting. This guy's going to pretend like I know this. One of my closest friends is going to pretend like he doesn't remember my birthday. I know already we're going out to drinks. Or at least I thought that's what we were doing. And he's like, oh, your birthday's this weekend? So I'm like, obviously, right there, I know he's lying from step one. So I'm sitting here sort of poking at everybody, interrogating them along the way. See what kind of information I can find. Now, I failed in one regard. Okay. Now I knew there was going to be a party. I just didn't know that it was going to be a full out surprise and all it was going to be to this extent and it was going to be at my house. Now I'm going out to dinner with my daughter. Now earlier in the day, I go in our refrigerator in the garage, which I guess I don't do very often and my wife doesn't expect me to go to the refrigerator in the garage. And I see jello shots in the refrigerator, which should have been a, a tip off, right? That says, we're having a party at your house. I mean, why else would be jello shots in the refrigerator? But there was only like 10 of them. So I convinced myself, and this is where I'm blaming myself, bad reporting skills and, and just observational skills in general, that I saw those and I was like, you know what? Maybe like before we go out to, uh, for drinks, we'll, we'll have, we're just going to have a couple people over and there's a couple jello shots. Turns out my wife started to make them and then realized it was, it was going to be time consuming and a lot of alcohol used up. And so she decided against it, but it kind of, that kind of threw me for a loop. Now the tip off point ultimately at the end was as I'm driving back to the house, I dropped my daughter at my parents. I'm driving back to my house and my wife butt dials me. Right, so she butt dials me. There's all these people at our house ready to surprise me, and I hear all this noise. So obviously, you don't just turn it off right away. You keep it on, and you try and figure out and make, you know, you try to decipher. Ooh, who is that? What's going on? What is that? They got to be at my house, right? So the surprise kind of ruined. Didn't know who was there, uh, and then I pull up to my house, and 
I'm looking, I see no cars, I'm looking down the street, I'm like, eh, I could kind of see shadows of people inside. But that's only because I knew it was coming at that point that I'm looking. So the reporter skills came to good use so I could sniff out the party, the surprise 40th birthday party at my house where I showed up with my shirt tucked in. And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Let me tell you what's going to happen here in the next few weeks, okay? Next week, I got a vacation. My annual vacation right around Super Bowl week every year, a couple weeks after Super Bowl, actually. And then the week after is the NFL Combine. So I'll be in Indianapolis most of that week, Wednesday to Saturday. So I'll try and do a podcast. We're going to take a week, probably two weeks off here, and I'll return sort of the Monday or Tuesday right when the combine is finishing up. So you'll have we'll have a lot of information on the quarterbacks and just scuttlebutt in general. Free agency will be around the corner. It'll be perfect. Okay? So hang in there. Take a week off. Enjoy this episode of Breaking Big Blue. And remember, go on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, Breaking Big Blue. Tell your friends, give us a rating, say five stars Hopefully. And if you don't, whatever it is, give us suggestions of what we could do better. Me and my boy Scoping on the other side of the glass over there. He takes care of everything for me. We'll do our best to bring you what you want. And with that, that's the end of this week's episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. (laughs) 